Welcome back to Imperfectly Perfect Live. I am Trini Sharp. I am your host for this evening as always. It's a pleasure to be back before you guys yet another week. I'm excited about everything that God is doing throughout Imperfectly Perfect Live and just um, in general in my life. And I pray God has been doing some miraculous things in your life. God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. And even in the pandemic, God has been showing himself to be exactly that. He's been opening doors. He's been healing people. He's been... Uh, giving people job positions he's been blessing people by houses and cars you know people have been healed and set free and delivered so please don't be um discouraged by what's happening around you but true truly keep the faith in god because god is in control no matter what's happening around us please believe that god is in control and he knows what's best for us so tonight i'm going to go over Last week, what we uh, were continuing uh, with our unqualified series for the past couple of months, we've been going over the unqualified series, and it's been different uh, topics, subtopics that God has given me concerning our uh, feelings and our reservations of feeling unqualified. And last week, um, we were touching on the topic of um, being unteachable. Of being unteachable so let me say a word of prayer we can do a quick review and then we'll continue on with uh tonight's topic for this evening dear heavenly father god i thank you god for your presence god i thank you first and foremost god for just being here with me father god and just being in the homes of the people that are watching holy spirit take control saturate the places father god in the mighty name of jesus holy spirit i give you freedom god to have your way holy spirit however you choose to move father move there father god in the mighty name of jesus god i come against technical difficulties i come against distractions i come against nervousness i come against fear in the mighty name of jesus holy spirit god whatever it is that your people need father let it be done in the mighty name of jesus God, I thank you that you get all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In Jesus' awesome name I pray. Amen. All right, guys. Welcome again on Instagram. Welcome and also on Facebook and on our wonderful podcast platform. For those of you that don't know, we are available on Instagram Live over here. I have a new stand, so I'm pretty excited about that, that I don't have to be looking down, but I can look up on both platforms. But um, so we have Instagram Live and Facebook Live, and we also have a platform where you can listen to um, the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Spotify, whichever one of those are your favorite, you can listen to it on there. Um, um, if you want to listen to it rather than watching it. Um, so tonight, last night, last week, I'm sorry, we were talking about the topic of unteachable under the unqualified series. And for those of you that are just tuning in and you're just finding out about the unqualified series, unqualified means not having the skills or knowledge needed to do a task not having the skills or knowledge needed to do a task. Or in other words, it means to be not fit. So if you're having the the feelings of uh, feeling unqualified, that means that you feel like you are not qualified enough to fulfill the purpose of God. You feel like you're not qualified enough to uh, help advance the kingdom of God. Therefore, you sit around and you allow your gifts to be stagnant. You allow yourselves to exist, to just exist and not live. 
there's a big difference between living and existing. Existing is meaning that you can go and have a nine to five job and have a routine and you're not doing anything to help advance the kingdom of God. You're not doing anything that God has created you to do. No, you're all you're doing is going through life on your routine, making sure that your bills are paid. You know, you might enjoy some things, but you don't have any substance. You don't have any purpose. And God has created each and every one of us for a purpose. Whether it's big or small in your eyes, God has created each and every one of us for a purpose. And it's our responsibility to ensure that that purpose is completed before we leave this earth. So this is why God had placed on my heart to start the Unqualified series so that we can knock down all the walls of feeling unqualified so that when those walls are knocked down, we can fulfill the purpose of God that he created for, for us to do. So last week, we again, we had talked about the topic of subtopic of unteachable. And God was uh, showing us that to, to be unteachable, when you're unteachable, that means you have certain signs, signs that prove that you're unteachable, meaning that you have pride in your heart, uh, meaning that you um, are all about yourself. And that you have no love for other people. That it's all about you. That you're conceited. That you um, that you have a jealousy issues. That if you if nothing if you are not doing it, then you feel you feel like nobody else can do it but you, including God. You feel like that nobody else can do the job but you. And last time I checked, God has given us the gifts, not us. God qualifies us, not not uh, ourselves. And then the other thing that we talked about, um, other than signs that prove you're unteachable, is how to repair an unteachable spirit. So we went over some things that uh, can prove that we're unteachable, but we also talked about some things that can repair an unteachable spirit, meaning that you have to surrender, meaning that you have to be obedient to God, meaning that you have and have a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. That you have to be willing and even having accountability partners to keep you hold, um, keep you accountable for your actions. So those are some things that we talked about last week. I don't have time to go over everything from last week. But if you want to go back um, and watch that podcast or listen to that podcast, you can either go on I Am Imperfectly Perfect Incorporated's Facebook page or you can go to Apple Podcasts and uh, Google Podcasts and look up Imperfectly Perfect Live and you can find last week's podcast on there. So tonight we're talking about continuing the Unqualified series and we are talking about insecurities tonight. We're talking about insecurities and I feel like God has been um, placing in the topic of insecurities on my heart for the past week and I didn't realize that he was going to have me to talk about it um, and it's different people that I've come across different people that I've been praying for that have um, been dealing with their insecurities that's been bothering them they feel like it's been blocking them from fulfilling God's purpose and tonight we're going to tackle those insecurities. We're going to tackle them to the point where we don't have, have it blocking us anymore. We don't have it getting in the way from us doing what God has created us to do. Hi, Kiera. Hi, Elder Marte. So again, what does unqualified mean? It means not having the skills or knowledge needed to do a task. Or in other words, it means not fit. So insecurity 
means uncertainty or anxiety about oneself. If you have an insecurity, that means you have an uncertainty or anxiety about oneself. Or in other words, it means you have a lack of confidence. You have a lack of confidence. And how does having an insecurity qualify or correlate with feeling unqualified? Well, you can have feelings of being unqualified to fulfill your God-given purpose. Why? Because you lack confidence in who God created you to be. How are you going to be able to fulfill God's purpose if you don't have confidence in who you are in Christ? God is telling you to, uh, to go lay hands on the sick, but you're not confident that you can do it. You're not confident in who God created you to be. So if you're not confident in who, in who God created you to be, then you're definitely not confident in who God is. So this is why we have to tackle insecurities because it can hinder us from moving forward. Insecurities can, can stop us from doing many things that God is leading us to do. Therefore, causing us to be disobedient to God's instructions. Causing us to be in disobedient to God's instructions. And, and I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but there are a lot of examples in the word of God of people that have... Um, Great men and women of God who have faced insecurities and allow either allow those insecurities to hinder them or allow God to um, help them with those insecurities and move forward and help advance God's kingdom. So we're going to get into that a little bit later. But for now, hi, Laura. For now, we're going to uh, talk about some signs of being insecure. We're going to talk about some signs of being insecure. So seven things got pointed out to me. Um, about insecurity and number one is jealousy the first sign that God uh, shared with me concerning um, a sign of being insecure is jealousy so let's go to James chapter 3 verse 14 through 16 and I'm going to read from the Amplified version It says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be arrogant. And as a result, be in defiance of the truth. This superficial wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, secular, natural, unspiritual, even demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there is disorder, unrest, rebellion, and every evil thing immorally and morally degrading practice. So God is showing us that when we have instant people like, okay, because if some people think about insecurity as, you know, like a, a quiet thing, but no, like insecurity has quiet factors and insecurities have outward factors. And a lot of times, you know, yes, jealousy starts from the inward, but jealousy also, um, the more you're jealous with somebody, it begins to reflect in your actions. And I'm so excited about getting to those examples, but, um, you're going to see in those examples that are people that, you know, it, it starts off with a, a thought. It starts as a, oh, well, do they think they better than me? Or, you know, you start looking at and coveting because the word of God says thou shall not covet thy neighbor. That shall not cover over thy neighbor's things. So, 
you looking at people, you seeing people being blessed, and especially in this pandemic, you seeing people, doors are being open, you know, for those, um, for people, job opportunities, um, houses, people, people are still buying houses, people are still being engaged and getting married, and you're like, wow, God, like, when is it going to happen for me? When is it going, the enemy start toying with your mind. He starts playing mind games and saying, well, you ain't never going to get married. You never going to uh, get another job. You always going to be stuck in the same place. And the enemy will use that. And this is why it's important that you tackle those negative thoughts right then and there. When the enemy tries to come for you and tries to plant those thoughts in your mind, you tell him. You repeat the word of God. My pastor Tracy mentioned on Sunday, repeating and one of the things she mentioned that stuck out to me is that you have to quote the word of God back to God. Quote the word back to God and definitely quote the word back to the enemy. Why? Because the word of God is our weapon in spiritual warfare. Anytime the enemy comes for us, you let the enemy know. What the word of God says, because that also builds confidence in yourself and not only of who God is, but also who you are in Christ. Letting the enemy know that you are, you are under my feet, that you are my footstool. That I have a more authority over you. Letting him know that, that whatever you come for me with is not going to work. No weapon that forms against us shall prosper. So anytime the enemy comes for you, remind them of what God says in his word. That I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Let the enemy know that I'm not afraid of you. That I will not, not walk in um, the spirit of fear, but I will have a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. Use the word of God as your weapon. This is why God created and allowed his, his words to be created on hardback form and even now these days we have our bible apps so there's no excuse why we don't have the word of god there and like i said i think uh last week is that they have the word of god in the dollar store for a dollar and and there's even some places that give the word of god for free and we as americans have the privilege to be have um access to the word of god because there's a lot of people in other countries that don't have access to it they don't. And this is why it's important to begin to read the word of God daily so you can have it branded on your heart. So that when the enemy comes for you, you don't have to wait to, you know, oh, let me hurry up and grab my Bible right quick. No, it's so branded on your heart that it begins to flow out of your spirit. That whenever you like you, you just know because you've been eating the word. You've been eating it so much that anytime, you know, you feel um, like you'd have a lack of confidence. Anytime you have a, a lack of strength, you're able to, to, to um, basically regurgitate that word. Speak it back into and speak it back to the enemy. Speak it back to God and, 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 it, and it, um, it gives you more confidence in who you are in Christ. So number one, again. We're, we're talking about insecurities right now. Just going over some insecurities. Sign, well, no, not, not just insecurities. We're going over signs of, of being insecure. So number one was jealousy. Number two is always comparing yourself with others. A sign that you have are being insecure 
is that you are always comparing yourself with others. I don't know about you, but I've definitely, in a season of my life, multiple seasons rather, that I've always compared myself to other people. I told this this testimony before, but, you know, I, I did not graduate college when when I expected to and when I desired to. I graduated, you know, uh, from high school in 2005. And naturally, um, four years later, you're supposed to graduate to the, uh, four years later, it should have been 2009, right? But that was not God's plan for me. And also too, I, the reason why I got in the way, my pride got in the way, you know, God was saying, make sure and I could have graduated a lot sooner if I was obedient to God's instructions, you know, following his plan to make sure that I had the finances needed. It wasn't my grades. I'm not trying to boast or anything, but it wasn't my grades and it wasn't um, me having a lack of uh, being not knowledgeable, but it was me not being knowledgeable about finances and knowing different things. And so I found myself... Um, I found my path being delayed because I did not have um, put my pride aside and finding out more things. So it was years later <laughs> that I actually allowed God to uh, give me more patience and give me more knowledge about funding for that. And then, you know, eventually I went back to school and then I obtained my degree in 2016. Um, but. I set out to set to say that throughout that process, I was comparing myself with other people. There were people that graduated high school after me and they were getting their degrees before me. So I was like, God, like everybody graduating before me and life is happening. And I'm like, I'm still in school. I want to get married and people are getting married before me. So, you know, I've definitely experienced comparing myself with other people. And that that was a clear sign that I was insecure. I was insecure. I wasn't confident in what God was capable to do for me. And I was not confident in who I um, am in Christ, not was who I am in Christ. And so that is definitely a clear sign of you could, um, of in being insecure is you comparing yourself with other people. So let's go to Galatians chapter six, verse four through five. Galatians chapter 6, verse 4 through 5, and I'm reading from the New International Version. And it says, each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in, them, in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. So what I love about this passage is that, is especially in uh, verse five, it says, for each one should carry their own load. It's basically making, it's basically letting us know that we each have our own cross to bear. We each have our own path. We have enough to worry about with, with um, our own journeys than to be looking at everybody else's. Comparing ourselves to, oh, well, why God didn't do this for me? And why God didn't do that for me? Because it's not for you. What God has for you is for you. And what God has for me is for me. So it's no need. And God has enough more exceedingly and abundantly above all we can ever ask or think to go around. He has enough, more than enough. So it's no need for us to, to covet 
what our neighbors have and to, you know, be jealous and envious of our neighbors and comparing ourselves and, and comparing the timelines of to our neighbors. No, there's no need for that. And I know, I know it's easier said than done. And me being a female, I can definitely, you know, feel for you, for those of you that are waiting to be married and have it and know that God has called you to be married. It's easy for you to, especially, you know, I don't know about you, but all along my timeline, I'm seeing people getting uh, engaged and people getting married and, you know, people buying houses and there's all of these wonderful things happening. And, but, and if that's not happening for you, it's easy for you, especially if you're, all you're doing is scrolling on your Facebook and on your Instagram and on your Twitter and in all these social media sites. You're not, you're not focused on what God wants for you because you're all, you're focused on, oh, this person did this and this person did that. But the thing is, you don't even know what it took for that person to get to where they are. You don't know their story. Maybe it took them 10 years to even, you know, be engaged and even find the man or woman of God for them. You don't know how long it took for that person to get there and what they had to endure to obtain that. For that promise to be manifested in their life. Don't compare yourself to other people because you don't know what it took for them to get their testimony. You don't know what it took. And just like they don't know what, what it takes to, to be in your shoes. It's the same way. So next point. So we, we're talking about again signs of being insecure. Number one was jealousy. Number two was always comparing yourself with others. Number three. <laughs> this is also another one that I dealt with. Being a people pleaser. If you are a people pleaser, it's a sign that you are insecure. And don't get me wrong, it's nothing it's nothing wrong with wanting to to please people, but not to the point that you are pleasing people more than you're pleasing God. There's nothing wrong with having a desire to see people happy, having a desire to help people, having a desire to, um, to, to, to be used to, to be a blessing to others. But if you are doing, if you are trying to please others more than you're pleasing God, then you're wrong. Because that means you're pitting people before God. You're pitting people before God and God says, thou should not put no other gods before me. You say, oh, I'm not, they're not a God to me. Yes, they are. Any, anybody or anything that you put before God is you're making it a God itself. So you have to be careful of that. Whether it's money, people, if you, you can be a, it can be anything. It can be social media. It can be yourself, putting yourself before God. And, and I, I touched on that. Uh, last week is talking about the first two commandments that God, um, the most two, the two most important commandments is first and foremost, honoring God, loving him and honoring him. And then two, loving others more than yourself. So if you are all about you and I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, but if you are all about you, then it's a problem. 
It's a clear sign that you're insecure. So back to people pleaser. Let's go to Galatians chapter 1 verse 10. And I'm going to read from the English Standard Version. The English Standard Version. Galatians 1 verse 10. And it says, for I am now seeking the approval. Wait, this is the question. I'm sorry. Let me slow down. <laughs> for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Again, it says, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. So how can we have a feeling of being qualified and being confident as if we're too busy trying to please people and not being a servant of Christ? We can't be trying to please others because the thing is, if you are too busy trying to please other people, that means that you will, you will be easily persuaded. You will be easily persuaded to the point where, um, I'll use this example. Say if, you know, in school and you have certain morals about yourself, you know, especially if you grew up as a PK kid or grew up in church and you know you're not supposed to be participating in drugs, you know you're not supposed to have sex before marriage, you know, like the, the things that is, is obvious, you know you're not supposed to lie, you know you're not supposed to steal, all of that stuff. But you want to be popular in school and the people that are popular, they do all these things. They having sex, they lying, they stealing, they skipping class. And because you want to please them and because you want to be popular, you risk going against all your morals just so you can be a part of the in, quote unquote, in crowd. So therefore, you're pitting yourself, putting people in place of God, in front of God, just so you can be accepted by people. It's all about having the feeling of wanting to be accepted by people. But the thing is, God says, I accept you. God says he accepts us, flaws and all. Doesn't matter what we look like. Doesn't matter what we sound like. Doesn't matter what background we came from. Doesn't matter. God's a, God accepts all of it. But we're not, we're not satisfied with knowing that the one who created us accepts us. In spite of our imperfections, in spite of um, the flaws that we have, that God accepts us for who we are. Does that give us the right to get away with everything? No, it does not. But God loves us in spite of it. God loves us in spite of our sinful nature. So we have to be, we have to be um, satisfied with knowing that God loves us. And even if people don't accept us. We have to be confident and say listen. I know people don't accept me. But my God accepts me. My heavenly father accepts me. And be confident. Be bold in that. Be like stick your head out. like, And be boastful about that. Like my God loves me. 
Like it's it's a certain level of confidence that you need to have and that God would give you when when you are confident in who God created you to be and even if you're not um um all the way there as far as the gifting or the knowledge in certain areas, God will equip you in that area. God will equip you if you're ready and if you're willing and available to be used for his glory. So it's no need for you to have to worry about pe pleasing people. Your focus should be pleasing God. Pleasing God because he's the one that we have to answer to. When this, um, this life here is over, we have to answer to God. When we stand before our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we have to answer to him. He's going to ask us. Did you fulfill the purpose that, that I created you for? We're going to be held accountable for all the gifts that God has given us. Every last one of them. So it's important that our focus is to, to be pleasing to God and not man. Next point. Signs of being insecure, number four, is that you're defensive. Is that you're defensive? Is that... Every time, it seems like every time somebody says something to me, like, oh, well, why why are you saying that? What you mean by that? And they could have very well just said, you know, oh, I like your shoes. Well, why you like my shoes? Like, and it's just like, bruh, they just giving you a compliment. Like, but it's, and, and I know it's, it sounds funny, but it's really people out here that's like that. Like, you compliment them, and they, they it's like they've been hurt. For so long or maybe you know people have done did them dirty so they feel like you know people have hidden the agendas and that why you why you uh complimenting complimenting me complimenting me sorry and why are you helping me you know you, you give a helping hand to them and like oh no i don't need your help i'm good i got it they are they're defensive about every little thing and that is a sign that you're insecure. It's a sign that you're not confident because if you were confident in who God created you to be, you would you would look at it like, okay, God, you sent somebody my way to help me. And not trying to do everything by yourself and thinking that, oh, I got it. Like, you know, I'm good. I don't need your help. No, know that, that you can't do everything by yourself. That there's people that, that are better better than you in certain areas. And don't be defensive at every little thing. Don't think that everybody's out to get you. Yes, I know there are people that may have hurt you in your past. And that, you know, have done things wrong to you. But that does not count out everyone. Just because that person abandoned you, just because that person hurt you, just because that person abused you, just because that person rejected you, does not mean that everybody has those characteristics and that everybody will do that to you. One of the things that I love to stand by, and uh, I learned that from my dad, is that... Um, is that you trust, you trust people until they prove that they can't be trusted. Trust people until, until if, if and when they prove they can't be trusted, that's when, you know, you don't trust them anymore. But you give people the benefit of a doubt when you first meet them. So if I first meet you, you have my 100% trust. 
Because why? You haven't proven to me that you can't be trusted. But uh, there's a lot of people that as soon as they meet, meet people, they're looking at them with the stink eye, the stink face, and they're giving the side eyes. It's like, mm, I don't know about them. You don't even know their name. You don't know nothing about them. But you already got a wall up. You already got the wall up in front of you. Because of what had happened to you in your past. In your past. So, signs of being insecure, defensive. Let's go to James chapter 1, verse 19 through 20. James 1, verse 19 through 20. And I'm going to read from the New International Version. And it says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. My God. And what I love about this is that you're saying, well, how does that have to do anything with being defensive? It's because when you take the time, for one, it says you should be quick to listen and not quick to respond. Because when you are quick to listen, that means that you have an open ear to hear what people have to say and to hear people's intentions because if you're if you're too busy so, so you know sometimes uh, sometimes we can have the tendency of when people are having a conversation with us that we're so busy trying to figure out what we're going to say that we're not hearing and listening it's the difference between hearing and listening we're too busy trying to say, get our point across, that we're not actually taking in and listening what that person has said to us. Therefore, we're uh, comprehending or receiving something that was not even meant by what they said. So the word of God says, should, you should, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So, quickly listen. Take your time in responding. Take it in. And if, and then also I would say too, that even, that even if, you know, you think that you heard it one way, repeat what you thought you heard and make sure that is what that person um, meant by that. Because sometimes that person may have communicated wrong communicated it wrong or you could have perceived it in the wrong matter either way so sometimes you may have to say hey well what I think I heard you say is you know such and such and then like, oh and then you repeat it like, oh no that's not what I that's not what I was saying and then they repeat what they meant by that and that can that can easily put you know a fire out that you know could have easily went way left. Had you had not been, you know, slow to anger, you'd be like, well, what you talking about? What you mean by that? And they then that person may could react based based off your reaction is like, whoa, why are you getting so hostile? Why are you getting so defensive? But you didn't, you know, you can only control how you react. You can only control your actions. So again, be quick to listen. Slow to speak and slow to become angry. Next point. We're talking about again signs of being insecure. Signs of being insecure. I apologize for the noise in the background. 
Signs of being insecure. Number five, being self-centered. Being self-centered. And we, we touched on that um, a lot more last week. And then that's, that's also um, a sign that you're unteachable. Um, is being self-centered. But, you know, it's a sign that you're insecure as well. If everything is about you, if you don't want no help from nobody, you think that you're the biggest, the greatest thing on earth. You think that you can, you're the only one that can read a certain way. You think you're the only one that can, uh, you're the greatest dancer, greatest singer. Listen, you can be great at what you do. It does not mean that you are the greatest. The only one that can say that he is the greatest is God himself. He, God is great at all things. Why? Because he, he is the ultimate creator. But God has given us gifts in areas. So we're gifted in areas. But it does not mean that we are the greatest in areas. Being gifted and being the greatest is two different things. So we have to be careful about our mentality when it comes to you know, we can get so engrossed in our gifting that we think that we're better than everybody. And that is the wrong attitude to have. The wrong attitude to have. So let's go to Romans chapter 8, verse 5 through 8. And I'm reading from the Message Bible. Romans 8, verse 5 through 8. And I'm reading from the Message Bible. It says... Those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, but never get around to exercising it in real life. Those who trust God's action in them find that God's spirit is in them, living and breathing God. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into a spacious, free life. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on focusing of God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God. Ends up thinking more about self than God. That person ignores who God is and what he is doing. And God isn't pleased at being ignored. My God. So God is saying, no, I'm not happy with you ignoring me. I'm not happy with you focusing more on yourself than you are on me. Because again, if you're focusing on yourself, how are you going to focus on the things of God? How are you going to focus on what God has created you to do? And how are you going to be confident in uh, what God has created you to do if all you're worried about is your own agenda? You, you know, and if you have your own agenda, you could very well want to be a chef. But God didn't create you to be a chef. God created you to be a musician. And I know they're completely, they're apples and oranges. But hey, it's, there's literally, that it literally can be it. At one point in my lifetime, you know, way long ago, when I was younger, I wanted to be a lawyer. Child, that is not even in my, in my DNA to be a lawyer. I am an artist. Every, I mean, I love everything about the arts. Everything that God has gifted me to do is surrounded around the arts. And I'm not saying that you can't be a a uh, artful uh, lawyer. But what I'm saying is that lawyer was not in my DNA. Like apples and oranges. Like. 
apples and oranges. Like, so, you know, I had that was, if I would have followed that path, I, I would definitely have, would have been out of the will of God. God is like, no, I didn't create you to be, you know, winning cases. <laughs> like, not even a little bit. Like, so, you know, you have to make sure that you have, and, if, and that's the thing. If you have your own agenda, you will be blocking, blocking what God has created you. Uh, <laughs> yes, sis. You will be blocking what God has created you to do. Blocking what God created you to do. So, next point. We're talking about signs of being insecure. Number six, two more signs. Number six, being timid. A sign of being insecure is being timid. What does timid mean? Lacking in boldness and determination. If you're timid, that means you are lacking in boldness and determination. And we're going to uh, go over that in a second with some of the examples. Is that, you know, I don't know about you, but I definitely have, and I still, and I can say I still struggle with having boldness. I still struggle with, you know, speaking, uh, I'm better. But I still struggle with speaking my mind. I still struggle with, you know, the possibility of hurting people's feelings. Um, why? Because, you know, I don't want to hurt. I don't want to hurt people's feelings. I don't want people to feel bad. But sometimes, you know, you have to do things that, you know, are out of your comfort zone to um, to help make people better. And to make you a better person. So that's going to require boldness from you. That's going to require um, you to do things that you wouldn't normally do um, if God didn't lead you to do it. And especially, like, you see how I'm speaking before y'all right now? There was that. I, listen, I could really tell you, like, I'm low-key shy. Like, I'm really, I'm shy. Like, I would much rather not be on a camera. Like, I have more confidence now because I'm confident in who God created me to be. But outside of that, I don't like being in front of the camera. I don't, I don't like it. I like, I like being behind the camera. I like, you know, okay, you know, doing all the artsy stuff. And like, okay, I like creating things and all of that. But being in the camera, that is not who trainees is. <laughs> like, but the trainees in Christ. Yes, this is God who God created me to be, and I'm confident in that. I'm confident in the voice that God has given me because I know who God is, and I know what God, the voice that God has given me to be beneficial and helping to advance the kingdom of God. So, if you are timid, that means you is a sign that you're insecure. And we touched on the scripture earlier, but let's go back over it again. Second Timothy chapter one, verse seven, and that's reading from the New International Version. Second Timothy one, verse seven, NIV. It says, "For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love." And self-discipline. Again, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So if we are walking around timid, that means we are going against everything that God has said in his word. Why? Because again, it says God has given us power, love, and self-discipline. And in another version, it says um, self-discipline is a sound mind. 
not allowing negative thoughts to get us um, discouraged, not allowing um, the negative things that the enemy plants into our minds to cause us to um, to cause us to allow our gifts to be lying dormant. No, because we know who God created us to be. We're confident in it. It's not. It's a difference between being conceited and being confident. Conceited says you're all about yourself. Confidence is saying, no, I know who God created me to be. See, it's a difference. You say, I know who God created me to be. Conceited says, oh, well, I did this myself. You know, I made the money. I went to the school. You know, if it wasn't for, you know, me, 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 then I wouldn't have this. Confidence says, no, if it wasn't for God, I would not have this. If it wasn't for God providing for me, I would not have this. If it wasn't for God, it brings, it takes the focus off of self and to invest the focus back on the, on the one who created us. So if you're timid, that is a clear sign that you are insecure. Next point. The last uh, sign of being insecure is doubt. Is that sure? And you know, we all, we all, um, at some point in our lives have uh, dealt with doubt. You know, and if you say you haven't, that's not true. <laughs> like, at some point in our lives, we have dealt with doubt. You know, there's, you know, say if you've been waiting for something for God to open a door for you, and you know, it seems like it's taking longer than expected. Yeah, doubt might try to try to creep in. But that's when you have to check doubt at the door and remind the enemy of who God is. Remind the enemy of who God is. That God said, I will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Remind. Speak the word back to God. Remind the enemy of, what, of who God is. So, you have to be careful of doubt creeping in. Let's go to James chapter 1 verse 5 through 8. And I'm going to read from the New International Version. James chapter 1 verse 5 through 8 in IV. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. Who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea. Blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So it's important that we are not uh, doubtful because you cannot doubt God and trust God at the same time. You cannot doubt God and trust God at the same time. You cannot be confident in God and doubt God at the same time. You cannot. They're, they're apples and oranges. Apples and oranges. So it was important that if you, if, if you have doubt in your heart, that you check that at the door because that's a sign that you're insecure and you, and you won't be able to have the confidence needed to fulfill the purpose that God has created you for. So, again, signs of being insecure. Let's go over it. Number one, again, was jealousy. Number two is always comparing yourself with others. Number three, it pe being a people pleaser. Number four is that you're defensive. Number five is being self-centered. Number six is that you're timid. And number seven is that you are doubtful. So now I want to go over 
some examples uh, examples of those with insecurities examples of those with insecurities and we're in five examples that i have here of people in the word of god and i pray that i can cover it all tonight but you know if i do not i will do a part two <laughs> um it won't be next week because i have something uh different next week that i'll talk about uh shortly um so let's go over it. Examples of those with insec of those with insecurities. And number one, huh, and I and I'm laughing about this because I'll be asking God to help me to slow down. Sometimes I just get excited and it's like my words to start getting slurred and I'm like, oh, like Trini, slow down. And it's like my mind is going so fast and it's just like, okay, relax. Slow down, take your time. And I say this to all the saints because the first example is Moses. It's Moses. And Moses had a speech impediment. I'm not saying I have a speech impediment. It's just that sometimes my thoughts are faster than they can actually come out my mouth. <laughs> so it's like my, my speech is trying to catch up with this fast thinking mind of mine. Um but back to Moses. Moses struggled with a speech impediment. And and those of you, and I'm not going to assume that everybody knows about Moses. So I'm just going to, you know, just give a brief, brief review of who Moses is. Moses is a, a, a man of God that, that God used who um, uh, God's hand was on Moses' life. Um, he is a, he was uh, born a Israelite. Um, but because of the time during that time uh the king during that time he was very jealous of um very jealous of um of who was god was going to point after him so he his plan was to kill every little boy up until the age of two before they were even got to a point of even going past that going past the age and so he was out to kill um all of the israelites boys and so moses mother you know she she uh protected her son by making sure that he was in a basket and it went into the river you know put him in a basket in the river and then um he ended up being <laughs> get making it across the river and end up being uh raised by pharaoh's um by Pharaoh's uh, mother, um, and so it ended up becoming the, um, an Egyptian, raised as an Egyptian, but he actually actually was an Israelite. So let's give you a backstory of who Moses is. However, you know Moses always knew, like it was like an unction in Moses that he knew that he did not belong in that family. And even though you know he grew up in that, like he, it was like Moses always always knew that he did not belong. And it was like it's every every time he was amongst the slaves because the slaves were the is a part of the Israelites. Um, and every time he was around that he was he found himself defending the Israelites and even killed somebody who murdered someone who was attacking the Israelite and then fleed away from that um, because he you know somebody caught him doing it. So furthermore, that's a background of who Moses is. But however. Um, once Moses got to a place of, um, finding out who he truly was, God called Moses to go back to Egypt and free the Israelites to go back to Egypt and free the Israelites from slavery. So we're going to read this passage in Exodus chapter four, 
verse 10 through 17. And it's um and it's going over the encounter that Moses had with God when God called Moses to be used for him um to help free the Israelites from slavery. So let's go to Exodus chapter 4 verse 10 through 17 and I'm going to read from the New International Version. It says, Moses said to the Lord. <laughs> so this is this is after you know God had came to uh, Moses. And so this is Moses' excuses that he's giving God. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said in verse 13, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Verse 14 says, Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, What about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. So in this passage, God is calling, is calling Moses to do and and we know and Moses you know was used for God's glory to help um part the Red Sea and help the free the Israelites and but before this before I even got to that point Moses was having a battle with God like Lord please please send somebody else like I'm I'm not ready for this like I can't lead the Israelites I can't lead a that great nation I can't lead a thousands of people he like, please send somebody else. And God is saying, who who created human beings? Who created speech? Who, who made people mute and made people be able to speak? God says, I did. So because, and God was letting, God said all of this to let Moses know, I know that you are not good at speaking. That's not what I asked you. What I asked you was, are you available to be used for my glory? God said, I, I created you for such a time as this. But yet, you know, we have a problem that when, when God has, you know, called us for us to do certain things in our lives, how many of us are guilty of showing God our insecurities, showing God our flaws, showing God our imperfections, all because we are afraid, all because we're allowing our insecurities to take control over us instead of being confident in who God created us to be. Because the thing is, when God has called for you to do something, God has already thought about all of that. God thought about all of that. You know, God thought about, you know, Moses not being able to speak. God thought about, you know, Moses, you know, the whole plan. God... God knew all of this, and this is why God made sure that Moses was covered, that Moses was not murdered when he, when uh, Pharaoh was trying to kill all of the the, um, the Israelite boys. 
God made sure he was protected and even had them, you know, being raised in a, in a palace as a prince of Egypt. He protected him. He had a favor on him. He knew about all of that. So we have to be careful of throwing back our insecurities to God when God tells us to do something. And I'm not going to, listen, I've definitely done it. And, and I'm not going to act like I won't do it again. Like, to be honest, you know, it's very, very often and God's like, oh, God, like, wait a minute. Like, I don't know if I'm ready for that. Listen, it's thing I'm like, God, like, can't somebody else do it? Like, why got to be me? Like, how did I, how did I get appointed to do this? How did, who voted for me? That, that's, listen, to be honest, the question that literally goes through my mind is, Lord, who voted for me? <laughs> who put my name in the basket and who pulled my name out? Like, that's what I'll be figuring, trying to figure out. And God has said, I did. I, I picked your name out. I said for you to do this. It don't matter. Like, I told and I created you for a time such as this. So, whenever, you know, and just like Moses... God, God knows all of these things about us. But the thing is, he's just willing. He just wants to know who's available to be used for his glory. And what I loved about Moses that even though Moses was like, God sent somebody else. And when God got angry, he was like, listen, I'm sending your brother. You know, Aaron is on his way. Like, you know, Aaron is going to speak for you. And then Moses was like, all right, all right, you know, he got himself together because God was like, listen, I'm not playing games. You're going to do this <laughs> whether you like it or not. And Moses was obedient to God. He still did what God told him to do, even though he had his insecurities and he had his flaws. He still was obedient to God. Next, next example. Next example is King Saul. I went over this, um, I think, in one of the topics. Uh, I think it was obedience versus sacrifice um, with King Saul. The little background of King Saul is that King Saul disobeyed God's commands. Um, king Saul was a king over Israel during that time. And uh, God had, when, when King Saul was appointed king, the prophet Samuel anointed him to be king. And God um, had told King Saul to follow his commands and to wait until the prophet Samuel came after seven days to make the set to make sacrifices. After the seventh day came, uh, King Saul got um, impatient. He didn't see the prophet Samuel come when he thought he was going to come. So he went ahead and made the sacrifices himself anyway. Lo and behold, right after he did it, here comes the prophet Samuel. And he said, what are you doing? Why are you not obeying? Why did you not obey the instructions of God? <laughs> he did not obey it. And because of that, King Saul disqualified himself as the king of Israel. But even with that. God you know. Even though with that. He still remained king. But 
he did no longer had the grace of God upon his life. He no longer had God's anointing on his life. And it, and that's the thing. During that time of being a king, it was important, especially the, as the king over Israel. It was important to have God's blessing, have God's anointing over your life to be a king. So the fact of the matter that he did not have God's grace over his life was saying that, you know, at any point in time, anything could happen to, to, uh, to Saul. And that, you know, if, if there was different things that Saul wanted to uh, do, he, you know, God wouldn't answer him. God wouldn't give him instructions. Why? Because no, he was no longer under God's grace. He didn't want to be obedient to God. So he definitely was not going to have God's uh, grace over his life. And give me one second, guys. I'm going to start Instagram over again, and then we can continue. So, yes. Um, so, with King Saul, he was disobedient to God. And the thing is, is that because of that, God said, you know what? I need to appoint another person as king. So God sought after David. God sought after a little boy named David, who was a shepherd boy. And David had a heart after God. And because David had a heart after God, God, God um, appointed him as, a, as king and used the prophet Samuel to anoint him as, a, as king. And because of that, Saul was jealous of David. You know, it's a lot in this background, but Saul was jealous of David and, and David was even um, being appointed in um, the kingdom uh, under the kingdom of Saul. And um, it was one is was a part of the army, but <laughs> David was strong and David had God's grace. So David was able to defeat more people than Saul was. Why? Because he was no longer under God's grace. And Saul noticed it, noticed that. Saul noticed that. So we're going to read it. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 5 through 12. And I'm going to read the international, New International Version. Again, 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse uh, 5 through 12. And I'm going to read from the New International Version. It says, whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. So we already said that he was a part of the army. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing with joyful songs and with timbrels and, um, and iris. As they danced, they sang. They sang. Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Mm. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought. But me with only thousands? What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the lyre, as he, as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand, and he hurled it, hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David, but had departed from Saul. 
my God. My God. So it shows here that huh, it went from Saul like having a watchful eye after David and then the evil spirit came upon him. And it was like, no, like I'm going to kill. Like Saul got to the point where every everything he did was, was to kill David. He sought to kill David every chance he could. Every chance he could, he sought to kill him because he knew. He knew that he he did it to himself. He disqualified himself. And because of that, he had a jealousy spirit over him and caused him to be insecure. Caused him to be insecure of who he was as king. Of who he was as king. So, next example. Examples of those with insecurities. Elijah the prophet. Elijah the prophet has an insecurity. And uh, the passage I'm going to read is from 1 Kings chapter 19. I'm going to uh, go from uh, verse 1 through 5. And then jump down from 9 to 14. From the in New International Version. The thing is about Elijah. Elijah the prophet was used uh, mightily for God. And even uh, being able to... Um, Use for God's glory to help defeat and get rid of the prophets of Baal. And Baal is was a god, uh, a little god in that time that is not of God. So any gods that you worship that is not of God, you should not be doing it. So God, um, Elijah was used by God to help murder these uh, prophets, these false prophets rather, and. And because of that, you know, uh, Ahab, the king at the time, uh, told Jezebel, his wife, and Jezebel was crazy. And I just, you know, I don't have time to go through all of that, you know, just do the story and background and read about Ahab and Jezebel. But Jezebel was crazy, and anything she saw her mind to do, she was going to do it. And she, she would do anything she could. She would use her seductive spirit to uh, influence people, and she would do whatever she could to get people out of her way. So, lo and behold, let's read First Kings chapter 19. Verse 1 through 5, and then jump down to 9 to 14. And it says, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger, messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Verse 3 says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. Going down to verse 9, it says, There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the, word, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He had now went to the cave um, after, after 40 days and 40 nights of traveling. 
Um, it says, And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Verse 10 says, He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. My God. So in this passage, summarizing this passage, is basically Elijah had confidence in who God created him to be as a prophet of God. And even, you know, being able to defeat all of these false prophets um, that were prophets of Baal. And then after that, you know, crazy Jezebel was out to kill him. And she was, listen, she could do it. She was going to do it. But Elijah saw it and even after slaying all these prophets with a sword, Elijah was afraid that, that Jezebel was going to kill him. And Elijah allowed doubt to creep in his heart. Knowing, knowing, seeing that how God used him to kill all these false prophets. But yet he was still, he wasn't confident that God would keep him covered. He wasn't confident that God would keep him protected from Jezebel. And that's what God was saying, Elijah, what are you doing here? Why are you here? You're supposed to be there and you're supposed to be defeating Jezebel. But you allowed your doubt to creep in your heart. And allowed you to flee away from someone that I was, it was giving you the ability to defeat. So even with all, you know, the Elijah, you know, being confident, you still have to be careful because, you know, listen, you can, you can preach to thousands of people. And then after you come off that pulpit, if you're afraid of spiders and I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be funny, but you can, you can be a bold person and, and speak in front of thousands of people. And then if you're afraid of something, you like see a spider and it's like you turn into a, like a little kid. Because you're afraid of it. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't. <laughs> I know it's, I know it's like it sounds but I'm not saying that you shouldn't, you know, be afraid of what a spider can do. But at the same time, God is saying, listen. God says, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So if God is saying, listen, you have authority and power over that spider. And God is saying you should not be afraid of it. Not saying out of your own strength. But saying that if you have confidence in the strength that I'm giving you. If you have confidence in who I created you to be. If you have confidence in who I am. In, in who I am then you should not be afraid of that spider. Why? Because I've given you authority over it. I've given you authority over scorpions. So there's no reason why you should be afraid of something so small. Especially after you've seen what I can do through you. 
And right after, now you're you're showing yourself to be doubtful. Now you're showing yourself to be timid. Now you're showing yourself to be fearful. God is saying it looks foolish. So you have to be careful for that. So Elijah is another example of how you know. And then, you know, return later on. Read that passage yourself. First Kings chapter 19. You will see that Elijah eventually went on and uh, went back and Jezebel and Ahab was destroyed. Uh, next example, last example I have, examples of those with insecurities is that uh, Jeremiah, um, yeah, Jeremiah, another prophet of God, uh, had an insecurity. And the main reason why Jeremiah had an insecurity, insecurity is because God called Jeremiah at a very young age. I'm not exactly the exact age, but God called Jeremiah at a very young age. And Jeremiah was doubtful. Because God is, he's like, God, how, I can't do this. I'm too young. So let's go to Jeremiah chapter one, Jeremiah chapter one, verse one through eight. And I'm going to read from the new international version again. It says the words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, there we go, Hilkiah, one of the priests at Anathoth in the territory of Benjamin. The word of the Lord came to him in the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. And through the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, down to the fifth month of the 11th year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, when the people of Jerusalem went into exile. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. At last, so sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. So it shows you that um, Jeremiah the prophet was uh, had an insecurity of being too young because the prophets during that time were known to be of age, meaning they were known to be older because um, when you're older, you're known to be wiser, right? So for to God to call Jeremiah it, to people, it looked like it was crazy and foolish to be like, who? Because they like, why well, I'm going to listen to this little kid? Well, I'm going to listen to this little boy and, and Listen, a lot, how many of us, you know, some little kid, like, oh, well, you know, trying to tell you something, like, uh-uh. You probably looking at them like they're crazy, too, because it's like, wait a minute, I'm older than you. Why would I listen to you? But just like then, there's some things that little kids will say out of their mouths, and they can be wise beyond their ear, years. So just because they're young does not mean that they can't be used for God's glory. does not mean that they're not wise. Why? Because we're not wise in ourselves. We're wise through the, the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jeremiah had a um, insecurity as well. And, <clears throat> see me, briefly, I just want to go over some things, some how to overcome insecurities. <clears throat> and I'm just, I'm not going to read the scriptures, but I do, I'm going to give it to you so that you can go over it yourself. Um... But how to overcome insecurities, number one, prayer. Number one, prayer is very important. In Romans, in matter of fact, the Holy Spirit is leading me to read it, but I'm just going to read it quickly. Um, number one is prayer. In Romans 8, 
uh, chapter 26 through 27, the Amplifier version, it says, In the same way the Spirit comes to us and helps us in our weakness, we do not know what prayer to offer or how to offer it as we should. But the Spirit himself knows our need and at the right time intercedes on our behalf with sighs and groanings too deep, too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because the Spirit intercedes before God on behalf of God's people in accordance with God's will. So God is saying, God is saying in this passage is that, you know, when we pray, the Holy Spirit will begin and, and, you know, I can't get into it too deeply, but, you know, even when you pray in the, um, using your heavenly language, using your heavenly language, again, Melissa, that was Romans 8, 26 through 27. When you use your heavenly language, the Holy Spirit, you, you know, he prays for you and you may not know what to pray for, but as you're praying your heavenly language, you begin to, you know, and as you start speaking in English, you start praying for those things that, you know, that you didn't even know you needed to pray for. So prayer is very important with your communications with God when you want to overcome insecurities. Next point, how to over overcome insecurities is ask God to reveal the root of your insecurity. Again, number two, ask God to reveal the root of your insecurity. Ask God to reveal the root of your insecurity. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 from the New International Version. And it says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. So it's important that you know what, where it comes from. Know where the insecurity comes from. Like we mentioned earlier that if you had like, or even going back to the example of um, Saul, Saul's insecurity of jealousy, it, the root of it is because of, of his disobedience to God. The root of Saul's jealousy was because of his those disobedience. He would not, um, not have been jealous of David had he had just been obedient to God and he still would have been under God's grace to be king. And then God wouldn't have to uh, appoint and anoint um, David to be king. Instead of Saul. So you have to be. You have to know what the roots. Of your insecurity is. So that you even know. How to ask God to even help you with that. Help you like help. And you can go to God and say. Lord help me with my jealousy. Help me God with my doubt. Lord help me with um, having a problem. Of comparing myself with other people. Lord help me. Help me with um, my the uh, reason. Of why I'm timid God. Know what the root of it is. Next point. Number three, how to over overcome insecurities. Number three is admitting you're not perfect. Admitting you're not perfect. And I know a lot of people saying, I don't believe that I'm perfect. But sometimes you can say that, but you actually do because by your actions. Because if you're, if you're having, if the root of your insecurity is um, being self-centered. That means you think you're perfect. Because self-centered people think that they're perfect. They think that they can't do no wrong. They think that there's nobody better than them. So you have to make sure 
that you admit that you're not perfect. And uh, the scripture for that is um, one of my favorite scriptures. Why? Because it is the motto of imperfectly perfect, which is Philippians 3.12, the English standard version. It is the model for imperfectly perfect and it reads Philippians 3.12 in English Standard Version. It says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. My God, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So knowing that you are not, knowing that you are not perfect, knowing that you are, yes, you are imperfectly perfect, knowing that in spite of your imperfections, that God perfects you, that you are perfected through Christ. And because you know you're perfected through, um, perfected through Christ, that means that you will depend on Christ. That means that you will have confidence in who Christ created you to be. You have confidence in who God is. Because you know that you're not perfect and the only one who is, is Jesus Christ himself. The Holy Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Next point. How to overcome insecurities. Allow God, number four, allow God to make you whole. Allow God to make you whole and being whole means that you're free being whole means that you're that you're healed that you know if, if there's any it's not saying that you're you know you're perfect it's not saying any of that but it's saying that if, if there's anything that you have struggled with anything that has kept you bound that God that you have allowed God to make you to make you whole healed you of rejection healed you of of um of depression healed you of abandonment healed you of feeling like you have to please others because you're whole and when you're whole you have confidence in who you are confidence in who God created you to be let's go to Isaiah chapter 53 verse 2 through 6 Isaiah 53 2 through 6 I read from the message Bible it says the servant grew up before God a scrawny seedling a scrubby plant and a parched field there was nothing attractive about him, nothing, nothing uh, to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on and passed over, a, passed over, a man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him, thought he was scum. But the fact is, it was our pains he carried, our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself, that God was punishing him for his own failures. But it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him, our sins. He took the punishment and that made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. We're all like sheep who wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way. And God has piled all our sins, everything we've done wrong on him on him so it's showing in here that jesus is the one that makes us whole god jesus god sent his only begotten son jesus christ to save us to take on the sins of this world so there's no reason why we shouldn't have confidence in who god created us to be why because god because god know knows the the perfect imperfections that we have god knew about all of that 
That's why he sent his only son to die on the cross for our sins. So that we can be under his grace. So that we can be under God's grace. That even though we have imperfections, even though we have flaws, listen, Jesus said, I will take on your sins. I will take on all of that. You don't have to worry about that. Why? Because, oh my gosh, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. So it's okay. It's okay that we're imperfectly perfect people. It's okay. God will make us whole. Next point, number five, two more. How to overcome insecurities. Surrender, surrender yourself to God. Surrender yourself to God. And I know I mention that a lot, but it's important. You cannot fulfill the purpose of God if you are not surrendered. If you are not surrendered. Why? Because when you are surrendered, huh, you are you are more prone to be obedient to God. When you are surrendered, you give God complete and utter control over your life. When you surrender, say, Lord God, I don't understand why you're choosing me for this for this purpose. But God, I trust you with my life. God, I trust you with all of me. I give you my life, God. I surrender it all unto you, God. Under to you, Father God. I know that whatever it is that I need, Father, I know, God, you will provide it for me. Whatever it is that, Father God, that whatever resources I need, Father God, you will give it to me. Why? Because you have confidence and why you're surrendered to God. Therefore, you will follow his instructions. Let's go to James chapter four, verse seven quickly. And we're going to uh, we're going to read from the Amplified Version. It says, so submit to the authority of God, resist the devil, stand firm against him and he will flee from you. When you submit to the authority of God, you will have more strength. And more confidence to turn away from the things of the enemy. When you surrender to God, you will have more confidence and more strength to turn away from the things of the enemy. Meaning that you will be able to, to fulfill the purpose of God because now your focus and your and now your focus is on purpose and not on your flaws. Your focus focuses on who God created you to be and not and not about your imperfections. So surrender yourself to God. Last point. How to, how to overcome insecurities. Number six is affirm yourself. Affirm yourself. And another word for affirm is encourage yourself. Encourage yourself. Is that when you when you feel like you're by yourself, when you feel like you, you know it's nobody else around you, and you feel like you know your back is against the wall, and you feel like nobody has your back. There's going to be moments where you just have to encourage yourself. You might be trying to call your friends. You might be trying to call your parents, your family, your loved ones. And, and they might not be around. They not, may, might not be able to uh, answer the phone or whatever. What are you going to do? Are you going to wait for them? Or are you going to take that moment? Go to God. Go to him in prayer. Encourage yourself. Encourage yourself and then I would encourage you and I've done that before is that you know when I was going through a season you know and I've struggled through depression so because when you just struggle with depression you know there's seasons where you know it's easier than others but um and when I was and I felt like it was trying to come upon me 
I started writing things for myself. I said, I'm, you know, start writing informations on little post-it notes. And I said, I'm beautiful. I'm worthy. Um, I'm strong. I'm confident. Um, that I, that I'm a lender. I'm not a borrower. You know, I started writing some of those things on post-it notes and I started putting it on my wall so that when I woke up, that's the first thing I see. That I am creative. That I am more than a conqueror. That I am victorious. Start writing those things. So as you speak in it, because when you speak, ah, because there's life and death is in the power of the tongue. So as you speak those affirmations, you're speaking life and not death. You're speaking life and not death and you're defeating the enemy. Every time you, you affirm yourself, you're speaking against the enemy and you're defeating him every single time. Every single time. Because he wants you to repeat those negative thoughts that he planted in your mind. But no. Start affirming yourself. Start encouraging yourself. Last scripture. 1 Samuel 30 verse 6. English Standard Version. 1 Samuel 30 verse 6. English Standard Version. It says. And David was greatly distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him. Because all the people were bitter in soul. Each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Even when the people were out after David. Even when the people were trying to kill him. Even when he, he, he thought all hope was gone. David strengthened himself. He encouraged himself in the Lord. He encouraged himself. And that's what you have to do. You have to encourage yourself. Yes, there are going to be moments where people or that God is going to send people your way. That's going to encourage you. That's going to pray, pray for you and help uplift you. But there are also going to be moments where you're going to have to encourage yourself. And there's not going to be nobody else us around, but it's just going to be you and God. Because God, God wants you to depend on him and then not to have to depend on people. He wants us to be dependable on him. God is our strength. God is our rock. God is our strong tower. God, not man. God used this man to help us. But God is the one. God is the one that gives us strength. When we, in places where we are weak. God helps us. So I encourage you this evening. I pray that you are blessed. I pray that you continue to allow God to make you whole. And that, you know, if there was anything... Um, throughout this podcast and then i encourage you to even go back over i know i covered a lot i know i said a lot so please go back over it and even you can go on apple podcast apple podcast google podcast radio um, public or spotify listen to it while you're working out get it in your spirit meditate on it because you know some things maybe you have missed and it will be and please i encourage you also start write those affirmations down for yourself get some post-it notes from the dollar store start writing some affirmations for yourself put it on a, put it on your mirror put it on your closet door wherever you can and when you wake up in the morning affirm yourself i'm victorious i'm beautiful i'm confident i am i am i am an overcomer I am an overcomer. Start speaking life and not death. 
So I want to pray for you, Father God, in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father God, for everybody who is watching and everybody, Father God, who is listening. Holy Spirit, God, I thank you, Father God, that you would give us the strength in this season, Father. In moments, Father, when the enemy constantly is trying to toy with our mind in the mighty name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I plead the blood of Jesus against God. Every demonic attack, God, over our minds, God. I plead the blood of Jesus against the spirit of depression. I plead the blood of Jesus against the spirit of anxiety, Father. I plead the blood of Jesus. Jesus, God, against the spirit of suicide in the mighty name of Jesus. Father God, I plead the blood of Jesus against it. Father God, I thank you, Father God, that you would give us peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding, oh God. Father God, give us the confidence that, Father God, in you, Father God, causes, Father God, to not doubt you, God, but to trust you, Father God. Trust in the Lord with all of our hearts, Father. Dear Father God, acknowledge you in all of your ways, Father God. And dear Father God, you will direct that path, God. Help us, God, to not try to understand everything, God, in our own strength, Father. But, Father God, God, whatever it is you desire to do through us and for us, Father, may we follow you, Father. God, I thank you, Father God, that we, the Father God, shall be delivered, God, from all insecurities, Father God. That you will help us, God, to be healed, God, from all the Father God, hurt and pain in the mighty name of Jesus. Anything, God, that is blocking us, God, from fulfilling the purpose that you created us for, Father, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that God, that you have already, God, given us the strength, God, to walk in victoriously, God, to walk, the Father God, in the victory father in the mighty name of jesus so god we give glory god that is already done god in your majestic name jesus name i pray amen hallelujah and i do want to offer for those of you that do not know christ and that you saw this podcast or were listening and you want to accept jesus christ as lord and savior this is your time to accept him i encourage you to say this prayer of salvation with me say lord jesus i realize that i am a sinner and that i need you in my life I know that you died on the cross for my sins and you rose on the third day so that I can have life eternally. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I surrender myself to serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' awesome name, I pray. Amen. If you said that wonderful prayer of confessing your confessing it with your mouth and believing in your heart, you are now saved. Glory be to God. You are now saved. You are a new creation. All those things behind you are all old. Behold, all things become new in your life. And for those of you that once knew Christ and maybe you strayed away from the things of God and you want to get your life back with him and you realize that you maybe even allow insecurities to cause you to stay away from the things of God and cause you to not do what God created you to do. But thanks be to God, he has given us freedom and given us uh, another chance to get things right. And I encourage you that to take advantage of this chance that God has given you to rededicate your life back to him right now, right now. And if you're ready to come back to Jesus, say this prayer of rededication with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I apologize and I repent, Lord, for turning my back on you. I realize, God, that I need you in my life. I realize that I need you in my life. I ask you, Jesus, that you come back in my life. Be Lord over me, Father. Jesus, I thank you for giving me another chance. I surrender myself to you, and I will serve you for the rest of my life. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you for making me whole. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that wonderful prayer of rededication, welcome back into the body of Christ. This is the best decision you can ever make in your life. I thank you guys so much for tuning in. I pray that you continue to be encouraged, uplifted, 
until next time on a perfectly perfect live i will see you guys next week have a great wonderful evening good night